Dave Hill's podcasting incident with me, Dave Hill, the pride of Cleveland and beyond. I once got one of those uh, puffy stickers for free uh, at the uh, Cincinnati bus station. It was, uh, it was very dirty, but uh, just after a quince, quick quince, rinse, it, it was fine. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining me once again for what I believe to be the foremost Dave Hill-related podcast out there today. Uh, my partner in crime, Chris Gersbeck, is uh, having a cosmetic procedure right now, which is why he's not on the intro here with me today. I, you know, I stressed to him. I said, Chris, can't can it wait? Can it wait? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Hospitals are understaffed and overworked and crammed with people that need help. And uh, But he said no. I don't like what I see in the mirror when I lower the mirror uh, below my waist. I don't know what that meant. I don't. Honestly, don't. Anyway, uh, I hope you guys are all staying safe and healthy and uh, sexy as ever during these crazy times that I'm confident we'll get through. We'll get to the other side and be better than ever. You have to believe me. This much I know. Um, I know things are so dark. But I'm also confident on the other side of this, there's going to be an awesome Scorpions concert. And uh, I'm going to be there. Uh, anyway, no, but hang in there, everybody. And, uh, and to help you do that, we have a really great episode of the program today, in my estimation. Before we get to it, though, I have to stress again, please, uh, you know, it's not an ad or anything. But, you know, get my uh, stand-up comedy album. The Pride of Cleveland out now on 800-pound Gorilla Records. I'm told it's... I've heard the word genius thrown around by my dad. Uh, no, I don't know if my dad's heard it yet. It's got too many swears on it. I kind of tried to keep it off his radar. Speaking of profanity, uh, you should also get the uh, Witch Tain album. I can't stress that enough. Uh, there's plenty of profanity on that as well. And it's very catchy and, and fun for parties. When we get back to having parties again. Don't have a party now. I've heard stories of people having parties. What a bunch of assholes. Anyway, uh, so uh, let's get into it. We have an incredible episode for you today. Uh, Bill Janovitz is uh, a long time. I've been a fan of his for years. Of course, he's the guitar player and singer for Buffalo Tom. He's also a brilliant solo artist, and he's an author. He wrote the 33 and a third book, Exile on Main Street, which is pretty cool. I don't know if I've ever done anything that cool in my life. That's pretty cool. Um, and, and you know, he's he's made all sorts of sweet records. He's rocked them all. He's seen a lot of faces and he's rocked them all. How's that go? Anyway, also, Buffalo Tom has the distinction of being... I, I, I might be getting this wrong. I should think about this before I say this, but why think before you speak? If I've learned anything in this life... But I'm pretty sure Buffalo Tom is the only, like... Uh, and this is no uh, disrespect to any other bands, but they're the only like international known band who has the the uh, had the the cojones, the chutzpah, the temerity, or whatever you want to call it, to uh, ask my band Valley Lodge, aka that band that plays the theme song to Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but, but Bill asked if uh, if Valley Lodge would want to open for them a music hall of Williamsburg. And we did that a uh, year or two ago, at least. But it was awesome. And, and I think the biggest show we ever played, unless you count our Japanese tour and when we did Bonnaroo. But those were very different affairs. Uh, but th- it was it was awesome. And um, anyway, if any other sweet bands out there, the Rolling Stones or whoever wants to ask Valley Lodge to play with them once this pandemic is over, we're in. Con- consider it done. Anyway, um, Bill was kind enough to agree to talk to me via the futuristic Skype application. And uh, we talked for a really long time, and uh, which is going to, you know, Chris... My partner in crime, the brains behind the operation, is going to have to edit it down quite a bit, which he's probably doing as I am talking, recording this right now, because uh, because Bill and I talked about so much stuff, and I, I feel like I you know I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like we could have rambled on about stuff for about ten more hours, and I, I will I will have him back and force him to do at least in another hour. 
Um, but anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy my delightful conversation with Mr. Bill Janowitz. Uh, not to creep you out, but in my tireless research, uh, I realized we have the same birthday. Whoa. Yeah. So right out of the gate. But mine, you're uh, many years later than I am. Not as much. I just, you know, not as many as you think. I just, I've had a lot of work done. <laughs> no, no. Le- le- years later than I am, not earlier than I am. You're, you're younger. Yeah, but not, not terribly younger. Oh, okay. I see. You're saying that the work is. I'm. I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying. You know, I, I've had to to give this look of being 26 years old. Geez, <laughs> there's a team of surgeons on my side. <laughs> I was doing my own research this morning. I was just playing uh, my wife, who also read your book. Um, I was playing her the Guitar Center ad from the new record. The uh, your your Guitar Center ad bit. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. That was hilarious. Thanks. Yeah, it's very specific. Uh, but <laughs> the, the hardest yeah. thing about that joke is I it's one of my favorites, uh, but I can't tell it outside of America. Yeah, I guess you could just have to explain that it's just a gigantic guitar store. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, think would, I think it would translate now. Yeah, I, mean, I should I should maybe. try it. Yeah. I, I, I got scared because I did I was in Montreal I don't know like a year ago or something and I started to tell it and I realized like oh shit they don't have Guitar Center here and then I <laughs> I thought like okay I'll just say Long and McQuaid but it was too late and I just bailed on the whole thing oh is that the is that the equivalent up there yeah it's Long the closest thing I don't think it's like as like you know sort of you know, Guitar Center, it has that sort of, I actually like Guitar Center, but, but you know, it's kind yeah. of like, it's like kind of like an, a car dealership of guitar stores. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but then you realize, I was down on it. I mean, I am down on, you know, t- to really get granular, like it's owned by Bain Capital and all that. So it's sort of like, yeah. it is part of the evil empire, ultimately. But when you go there and you're like, oh, the guys working here are just, most yeah. of them are just nice guys who like gear like I do. So I'm not going to be down on them. <laughs> but, oh, you froze for a second there. What's yeah, yeah. Oh, there you back. Yeah, I froze. Um, is this better? Yeah, maybe I'll go somewhere else. Um, I was saying that um, back when Nevermind came out from Nirvana, it was, um, it was such a... Um, you know, a before and after type thing. It's kind of a cliche that everybody talks about when I came out and how it changed everything. But I just remember the big aha moment for me was in in a guitar store. So, you know, there was like, it was especially coming out of the 80s, it was all the hair metal stuff, all the guys that were really flashy and, you know, got a little cooler when people, Oh, it froze again. I'm sorry. Are you there? Okay, it's me. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, it just froze. I, 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 you cut off at hair metal, which yeah, had my ears perked up. I'm showing full signal and all that, but um, anyway, yeah, it was like guitar stores for those same kind of Eddie Van Halen riff when when uh, guitar when um, Guns N' Roses came out they were doing Sweet Child of Mine over and over again uh, you know you'd walk in and that that somebody would be playing that riff inevitably but um, I remember there was kind of a somewhat cooler guitar store in Cambridge called um, I think maybe it was called Cambridge Guitar Center actually or something like that, Cambridge Guitars or something like that but they were like you know they weren't the typical just sort of you know berkeley dropout guys frustrated you know shredders and i just remember them playing um uh smells like team spirit over and over again and just like laughing like 
but like they were laughing like this is really cool is it good and and uh yeah, but i could just see like how the sort of the underground stuff had all of a sudden infiltrated the main the really mainstream when, especially when it got to guitar guys like they were they were laughing at it because it was kind of primitive but they were also into it you know yeah yeah that that is like a soup that whole thing is yeah super interesting time and then like i think back also like i was i was kind of way like i love nirvana and i love all the records but i remember like when bleach came out and i was like you know i what I, I was coming out of i was already into like that whole scene of music and things like that but it it didn't occur to me that I was like, oh, the, I was like, oh, Mudhoney's, they're going to be the big band out of these bands, which, you know, they yeah. did well, but I didn't, I was like way off. And then even when uh, Nevermind came out, I was, I liked Smells Like, I'm, I'm for me, like on a plane, because I'm, I love just pop songs. So I'm on a plane. I'm like, that's the hit. But it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. It's um I, I, I understand you think about mud honey. I thought, yeah, that's pretty that was pretty catchy. Uh uh you know, people forget that Soundgarden sort of came from more or less that same scene and from, from Seattle yeah. and uh they they took off really big and fast even but I mean i guess people think of that as a bit more mainstream hard rock maybe and I don't know, mm-hmm. but it was it was definitely an interesting era of change, and to see it kind of filter down into the guitar stores, because then like you know six months later people are, people are doing that the riffs between uh, between the, the smells like Teen Spirit stuff. Yeah, na 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 na. Well, and then yeah, <clears throat> and and you guys would have been ju- that would have been yeah like right when your your uh, very early period when Buffalo yeah we. Tom- uh, was, yeah, was we a, had uh, we we crossed paths with them, but not really played. I mean, we were sort of on a couple of festivals together, or at least one, um, the Reading Festival. But um, but we actually literally inherited their. I have a fax that I kept in my in my boxes of stuff. Um, it was a fax that was from our. We had the same European promoter, and they're like. Basically, Nirvana had just exploded, so they were getting rid of these tour dates that were venues that were too small for them. So they were like, hey, does Buffalo Tom want this tour, essentially? And Nirvana gave up these dates, and so we took we took Nirvana's tour <laughs> at that point. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And another thing, with, uh, I was just talking with someone about this the other day about that period in time like and being like uh gen xers as we are uh like the concept of selling out like you i remember just like we would the things that go on now like you would just it was just the whole thing was like oh i'm not gonna sell out like you would you wouldn't even something would come across the the table and you would you wouldn't even look at it because you'd be like oh that's selling out i wouldn't even think about that but now that con- i don't think that concept exists of, of know, it's like you... everything is just yeah, like we, take it take it <laughs> yeah, we had done uh we had done a nike ad um that it was so it was our fourth record um song the two songs that they that they used were for it was for this air jordan's commercial and which is kind of crazy to think uh nowadays period uh but it was um it was stitched together it was funny because i was in the nike store with my son last year in boston i said you know uh they actually used (laughs) buffalo tom in this like nike ad on on national tv back in the in the 90s and they stitched together these two songs a soda jerk and um and treehouse these two riffs in g basically two different G- riffs and they they put it together really well and it was amazing for us and uh, we had just signed this publishing deal and gotten this this advance that was that was pretty uh it was sort of the most money we had seen uh before or after probably <laughs> and um so we kind of had a, we felt the pressure to kind of recoup it a little bit you know because our records weren't really selling big numbers and we wanted to keep making records 
so we said, yeah, that's a pretty cool ad. So we'll do that. Um, it w- I, I, th- I think I make it sound like it was an easier decision than it was. I think there was a bit of angst about it, but we did it and it was a really great ad. And in hindsight, I mean, just to think that we even hemmed and hawed about it, like you said, to your point nowadays, you wouldn't even think about it. I think if you were most bands, but I remember playing soon um, after that in Chicago at the Met- Cabaret Metro, and we were next door having drinks afterwards, and this totally drunk girl came up to us, young woman, and she was, to me, and she's like, you know, wh- why, I just saw the show, basically, blah, 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 like, but I got to ask you a question, like, why did you sell out and, and, and do that ad? And I said, well, <laughs> I, I'm kind of trying to explain the same things I'm explaining to you, the economics of it all, and and the fact that it was a fairly good ad. And by the way, they didn't use any of our vocals, which we thought was, was kind of an interesting thing. And I'm just trying mm-hmm. to get into the nuances, but she's totally toasted. You know, she's she's, mm-hmm. she's slurring her words and she's with her friends. And her friends um, are like, come on, leave me alone. Can I stop it? You're embarrassing us. And and I said, well, can I ask what, what you do for a living? You know, I got to make a living. It's like, can I ask what you do for a living? And, her, and she wouldn't answer me. And her friends are laughing. They're like, go ahead, tell them what you do. Tell them what you do. And she said, uh, uh, I'm in advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hi, I'm Lori Kilmartin. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show. Who are you, Lori Kilmartin? Oh, my God. So much pressure. Uh, I'm a stand-up. I've been doing stand-up since 1987. Uh, I'm a writer for Conan. I've written a couple books, have a couple CDs out, have a special out. Who are you, Jackie? Well, I, too, am a stand-up comic since 1984. And uh, I do the road like a maniac and uh, don't have a cool writing job, but I have four albums out working on a new album. We talk about stand-up. We talk about uh, all the different parts of stand-up comedy. So that's the Jackie and Lori show, and you should subscribe on Maximum Fun if you want to hear that. (laughs) And I would encourage you not to. Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. (laughs) In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a brand new podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Shire. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! But um, but you so you've been uh, but you've been uh, staying busy. You've been doing the the virtual uh, concerts during this. Yeah, and I saw I I think I don't know if you follow uh, or connected with uh, Ronnie from the, the band The Muffs. <laughs> he had some comment on Facebook. It's like leave it to musicians to to take advantage of a captive audience. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I thought that was a. a a, a funny but cynical way of looking at it. But yeah, I mean, there's a bit of that. We're all, I, I, people are like, oh, thank you so much for doing this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm a guy drinking alone in a basement with playing my guitar. This is really kind of, this is all I got, you know? So, uh, so doing it once a week has been, it's been really great because it's like, you know, people are a captive audience and they are genuinely, and I play for like two hours, which is completely excessive, but uh, I get all these requests and I kind of want to do as many of them as possible. And, uh, and it's like, really, what else am I going to be doing? I, and there's no curfew. So if you want to tune in, tune out, tune, you know, whatever you want to do. So yeah, it's been really rewarding. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And we've raised a lot of money for charities over the course of it. Oh, that's awesome. I, I do think though, yeah, music is the one, I mean, as a, as a comedian and you know there's all these zoom shows happening which are like it's not comedy is not meant for <laughs> for that like <laughs> where you're i mean they're fun they're one of the, i will say like i've had fun doing all of them and even though i bitch i you know i'm like walking into the back office with my laptop like i gotta go do this fucking <laughs> zoom show that i agreed to but then i do it and i'm like oh this is fun i'm glad i did that and then yeah. i 
the next one comes, I bitch about it, I bitch about it. And I'm like, oh, that was fun. So I, I do them all, and they're fun, and I think people enjoy them. But comedy is the one, yeah, that's the thing where I think, uh, you know, it. we're really going to have to wait until we can all be in the same so room. And I'm not sure if I've seen, what, 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 are, what are the Zoom shows? Like, are they are any of them regularly or, can, or regular, or can I see them? I haven't seen you maybe post them, or maybe I have. I, I've posted them, but that's the thing, like, I, as an, as an old man, I don't understand how it works. I just, if someone sends me a graphic, I'll post it and be like, I guess I don't, but I wouldn't know how to access. Like I've done many that I have no idea how people find them. Um, yeah, there's one for music, uh, at least one, um, like where, like Robin Hitchcock's been doing one with Emma Swift. Uh, I forget the stage live something. Yes. Stage 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 it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Rhett, Rhett Miller, my, uh, you, you, do you know Rhett Miller? Yeah, I don't know him uh, personally, but uh, we're we are, oh. we're connected. On oh, you, yeah, yeah, you guys should know each other. Yeah. Um, but he's a buddy of mine. He's been doing those, and uh, they're really cool. He he's like painted his back wall of his you know music room uh, like a nice camera friendly color, and he's got like yeah. you know guitars and christmas lights up and it's, it's that's crazy. like me yeah that's what i got christmas lights and guitars hanging behind me as well yeah well you guys are the uh i remember like uh not that you invented christmas lights but <laughs> to my mind buffalo tom is the quintessential it's it's the ground you're you are the originators of christmas lights on stage to my just to my concert going i remember seeing you guys at Peabody's Down Under in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, which would have been uh, maybe like, uh, would it have been Let Me Come Over? I don't know. Did we have trophies on our amps too? That I can't remember. I just remember the Christmas uh, lights and I was yeah. like, that's cool. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Cheap uh, stage production values. You're like, oh, yeah. here's, here's something we can do. Yeah. Chris always brought them out. Yeah, that's always a good. Uh, anyway, I gi- I'm giving you full credit through the oh, ages. Thank you. <laughs> as Co- Buffalo Tom originated. Yeah. Well, well, idea. if 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 that was if the, if that was our one innovation, I'll I'll take it. I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> well, great great songs. Uh, power trio. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Taking all the boxes. Um. Have you have you uh? Did you got have you guys had to. Have you, did, did you have any tours set up that, that you had to cancel? We had a big show in Boston. There's a new venue that opened up in Boston um, near the Boston Garden, and it's it's you know it's like a Live Nation room, but it's locally owned, and um, it was a big room, and we were sort of going for it because you know we haven't had a record out in three or four years, and um, but we do really well in our hometown, and it's like a 1,200 capacity room, I think, which is pretty big. Um, and we had sold most or, you know, more than half of the tickets were already sold. So uh, but that was for June 12th and it's been postponed indefinitely. But that's the only thing we hadn't been booked for any overseas shows this summer yet. Or, um, But it's it's interesting because Chris Colburn, the bassist and singer, um, he's he's been a booking agent since college, since getting into college. And he has his own agency. And I oh, mean, wow. they've got to really struggle now because he's looking maybe to 2022 possibly for shows, you know, like there's no, he can't, he's got managers calling him up and, and acts saying, can we just book this for, you know, August or September of this year? And he's like, well, sure, but we're going to probably have to cancel it again. And um, it's tough. It's tough because people are, this is their living. And if, if they're doing this full time, it's their living. And if they're not, if they're doing it part time, I mean, if they're doing it full time, but also have a day job, the likelihood that their day job is in is in the service industry. So it's yeah. sort of a double double whammy for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy. I I was just talking with a friend earlier today that yeah, I don't I, I have no idea when uh, when I'll be on stage again. Or part of me thinks like maybe maybe that was it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that was the run I had. Did, did you did you have did you have tours booked for Witch Taint or for solo stuff or? I had a stand up tour uh, that I was supposed to leave for 
in March uh, in Europe. I was supposed to go. It's gonna be. It was so supposed. It was gonna be so fun. I was gonna do five nights in Oslo, one in Krakow, three in the Czech Republic. This city I can't pronounce. Aulumek. Probably getting that wrong. Two in Prague, and then three in London. And my wow. brother was my brother was going to come to Oslo for a week, and he, you know he's got a family and never does that sort of thing really, yeah. very rarely. And I was just like, oh man, and I was just so psyched. And then it was just like, <laughs> not that. So, but you know, I'll I'll get over there someday again. And then yeah, Witch Taint was supposed to do a bunch of stuff, but the good thing about Witch Taint is it's 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 kind of a ridiculous. Yeah, it was once a completely fictional band. So, and we play characters, so I can just go online and be an idiot and have fun with it that way. Like, uh, you know, as me, Dave Hill, you know, I, I, I have to promote. Like, I have a new stand-up album out. So I, I have to promote it, but there's always kind of an icky feeling I have being like, get my record. But it's like yeah. you have to. But with Witch Taint, because I'm ostensibly an obnoxious teenager living with his mother, uh, I can just, like, people will write, you know, to us on Facebook, and I would just be like, I I can just say whatever to them, because it's all (laughs) part of the joke. Like, a guy wrote, we've been getting really great reviews, it was just so nice, of of the record, but then one guy sent a review that was just kind of like, yeah, this is pretty good. Some of it's really good. Some of it not very good. It's I'd say it's average, pretty good record, whatever. And so I just wrote back to the guy. I was like, you are wrong. Listen again. It is the best record. Which obviously, as Dave Hill, I can't do. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. I mean, I think I think Gene Simmons learned that probably long ago. But he doesn't seem to have actually the... Uh... The, the the makeup doesn't seem to distinguish the Gene, the Gene Simmons the character anymore from Gene Simmons the guy. He doesn't seem to have such inhibitions anymore. So maybe this whole example is completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, Gene Simmons, were, were you ever a Kiss fan? No, no. I, I you know it's like Kiss is one of those bands that my brother, I, who was two years younger than me, was really into. So I couldn't be. It just seemed it seemed silly to me even back then. Like I I was overly. Uh, uh, close-minded and snobby about like I, I I just I I didn't have the right to be as snobby as I was about music like I didn't even appreciate I think ACDC as much as as a kid as I do as an adult and Kiss to a mm-hmm. to a you know to a greater extent I just did I just thought Kiss was just rid- ridiculous we had a gigantic we shared a room my brother had that gigantic poster that was a collage that, that I think everybody seemed to have in the 70s of of Kiss and I. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I would wake up every morning and see those guys. Uh, but uh-huh. yeah, later in life, <laughs> l- later in life, I I, I I I got into it a little bit more. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I kind of yeah, I had a. I was really into them as a kid, partially because this girl I liked really liked them, which gave me more, even more of a reason to get into them. But I do remember as much disdain as I have for Gene Simmons now. Just because I, I have no understanding of why he seems a guy who has accomplished that much, why he has the, feels the need to be smug or defensive yeah. at all. It's just like uh, it's, it's crazy to me. And uh, but he I remember he was on, you know, remember there was a show like PM magazine. It was like local, mm-hmm. like kind of light news. Yeah. And um, there was a thing he was on it like Kiss and when they were you know, before, when they were still in makeup the first go-round. And he was like, they're like, he's a former school teacher. And I was like, that's cool. You could be a teacher and wind up being that guy? <laughs> and then, you know, I was like eight years old or something. And uh, and then they're like, do you have any advice to uh, the kids or whatever? And he's like, be weird. Don't try to fit in. Just be yourself. And I was just like, got it, and yeah. like, like, I, and that resonant. I mean, granted, I, you know, I wasted plenty of time in my life trying to fit in anyway at various points. Yeah. Um. But, but that really, like, I remember that so well. It's a great, it's a great piece of advice. Yeah. It was amazing, and I, and despite again how much I don't, 
I, you know, he disgusts me mostly now, but I'm just like, I got to give him credit because that got in my head. He changed your life. He totally did. And this guy, this journalist that was talking to me was like, hey, I'm in a, I'm going to interview Gene Simmons. And I'm like, seeing if, you know, do you have any questions for him? And I told him, I was like, I, I, if you know, if you remember, tell him, you know, I don't have a question, but tell him I saw him on PM Magazine when I was like eight years old. And he said that and it changed my life. And it's in the interview, and he's like, uh, and I can't, I can't remember where this interview was. It's online, but the, the guy's like, hey, um, I have a question from Dave, the Dave Hill, and and he goes, and Gene Simmons is like, Dave Hill from where? <laughs> <laughs> Which was understandable, because I'm yeah. sure maybe he would be like, oh, Dave Hill from Slade, but um. <laughs> Anyway, but he told him the whole thing. So the message got back to Gene. That oh, he nice. Yes, yeah, so I, I was happy about so that. So maybe he'll feel a little bit better about himself now. <laughs> yeah, he, he can let down his guard. Finally. Yeah. You mentioned your brother, uh, Paul. You know, going back, my my first band, Sons of Elvis, worst band name ever, slash best, mm-hmm. played with Cold Water Flat. Actually, wow. it was just Paul solo. It was, but it was advertised as Cold Water Flat. So oh. it was my band, uh, Paul, this band, the Mur- the Murmurs, this oh, yeah. these two women that had this song called y- "You Suck." That was uh, yeah, a yeah, hit. I and then the headliner. This was one of those. Ra- Do you remember when there'd be radio shows all the time? Yes. Uh, it was it was in in Phoenix or Tempe, Arizona, and the headlining band was this band called Bush. Oh yeah, I remember. And that. Uh, yeah, but it was like I say this band called Bush, but it was, it was yeah. like right. They had their first single out, and it was like everyone's like these guys are going to be huge, and you know we were like just cocky. I don't know if Buffalo. T- I, you guys strike me as not having been like this at all, but we were just cocky. And we're just like, we're the best. And Bush isn't going to be big. <laughs> just because no one had a right to be big. We were going to be big. Of course, yeah. we weren't. And they were. <laughs> no, I mean, we weren't. We weren't. Uh, we, weren't uh, we, we weren't really like, we were never cocky. In, in fact, I think we were, uh, to a fault, we were not cocky. We, we, we were probably always self-deprecating. And the three of us... Um, I mean, I would probably would have had the one. I, I would, I would definitely have the personality to be the more, the more cocky person in in the band, or, um, or the more insecure one, or whatever. Um, because I think that that's sort of tied together as you're as you're as I think you're implying as well. But I don't know. We all sort of were these level-headed guys for the most part, and it, it, again, to a fault. Like I think we would. It's almost like three brothers that wouldn't let the other ones get too their, their heads too big, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, there were definitely bands we played with where we would just like roll our eyes and just uh, like, yeah, we had to do a whole tour with that band live. And I keep, oh yeah, I keep this, I keep disparaging. I, you know, I don't want to, you know, because usually you could say something like you'd hear there was an acronym. What is it? Uh, GGBB, good good guys, bad band. That uh, yeah yeah that was. But, but they weren't really even good guys back then. They may, hopefully, they've become better guys. But they were just—you want to talk about cocky and arrogant? I mean, they—they they thought they were. It, it seemed like they thought they were you too. They were, you know. And but there's something mm-hmm. about that, like fake it till you make it kind of thing, right? This whole like, yeah, I am. I, if I think I'm that big, you know, I will become that big. It's almost like the secret or whatever. And I think, <laughs> I think they kind of. They live that, and we, meanwhile, we're two dudes, you know, three dudes that just show up on stage wearing the same clothes that we just kind of rolled up in the van in, and it's like, yeah, well, then people don't take you as as necessarily as as you're going to be big rock stars either. And we just always thought that that stuff was really gross, and like we came, we had come from the time where it's like, you know, it was like who's could do and replacements or, or 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 especially bands from boston it wasn't really it was like a sort of a lack of pretense and we figured the era of big rock pretense was over uh but yeah that, that's that's never the case yeah there is something like I, you know with that i think the the you know been going yeah who's could do and replacements and 
and the band, you know, like Buffalo Tom and Dinosaur Jr. and whatever, you know, bands uh, followed after those bands is like, but there was that thing of like, you know, I grew up, I still love Led Zeppelin, but, you know, that thing of going like, well, Led Zeppelin, they like live in castles and do heroin and worship <laughs> Satan. Like, I, that's, I'm all for all those things, but I can't, I'm not going to do any of those. Like, I just, you know, replacements have high tops and they, I don't drink beer yet, but I feel like I could eventually, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man, I, I was, when I was a kid, it's the same thing. I, you know, I, I was born in 66 and I was, you know, but like around 77, 78, we started seeing Elvis Costello and go, oh, there's a guy, there's a geek. Like, I was never going to be Keith Richards. I never thought I could possibly look like Keith Richards or act like Keith Richards. I mean, I see grown men doing it even today, and I'm just like, oh, geez. I mean, no, there's, you, you got to choose a, a role. You got to choose a guy that you can actually achieve, something that some look that you can kind of get close to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And Elvis Costello, to no, I, I hate to normalize him any more i mean you know but he you know he's yeah he's a relatable guy but the thing about him you know, especially in his later years when he, you know he dresses well for years and years now he's a, a great dresser and he's you know he, he's so distinctly elvis costello and he li- at least has an apartment i don't think i think he lives in vancouver maybe but he has an apartment near where my apartment um or I should say, I have an apartment near where he has an apartment <laughs> in the right hierarchy. But uh, and I I passed him on the street once, and he was in full Elvis mode, and I was like wearing a hoodie, just looking like garbage, and I was just like, oh man, that's like a god and immortal passing on the st- on the street. And then, uh, and then one day. I passed this guy and I was like, wait, like my, I was like, well, that was some guy in a track suit looking like a slob when just regular glasses. But I think that was Elvis Costello. <laughs> and then I started at like another friend of mine, my friend Pete's like, oh yeah, I saw him. He dresses like a homeless man, like, <laughs> like around the neighborhood. Like, and then we, we had the same publisher for one book and they were doing his book and they're like, Oh yeah, he comes. In. It's like a superhero costume. You would never reckon. And I was like, ah, oh, I was like, felt such a sigh of relief because I was just like, yeah, you know, oh, to keep that up, to snazzy dress all the time, that's a lot of pressure. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Well, it was like when Rick Ocasek died. Um, you know, like Paulina and all these other people in his family, his kids, his sons would be like, yeah, he would get up, put on like a proper. Uh, set of clothes just to go down to the basement all day, the basement studio. Like he never, like you would never catch him in sweats or, or something like that. He just, he was always dressed for being Rick Ocasek, I guess. That's a lot of, uh, it's a lot to keep up, right? Yeah. I, I, I think I just, if I didn't tell this story on my same, this podcast, I said it somewhere else recently, but Lou Reed lived in the West village you know, until he died. And uh, I would see him around a lot, like eating breakfast at, at cafes and things. And he, like, sometimes he would be in, like, reasonable Lou Reed garb. But, like, sometimes he, I've seen him in, like, a cut-off, cut-off sleeve, like, yellow hoodie with shorts and flip-flops. And I, you just want to be like, get it, Lou, get inside. No one, no one can see this. <laughs> you're gonna get a sunburn Lou <laughs> <laughs> go go home and put on a biker jacket and sunglasses yeah black ready. t-shirt I got a black t-shirt right here <laughs> <laughs> but, oh man but going back going back to Buffalo Tom I love yeah I do love that it was like uh, you, you, it was relatable but you guys weren't, you also weren't, you didn't, you, you uh, held it together. You weren't slobs either. <laughs> well, no, we, we were kind of slobs. I mean, Tom, Tom was probably the best. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tom, 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 Tom was like a jacket hoarder, still is. Like, 
he jackets and shoes. He's uh, he couldn't resist buying jackets and shoes. Uh, the, the Tom, our drummer, the, and he was the he is still the best looking of us, um, handsome guy. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's sort of like I think he, I think of him as a Charlie Watts type guy. He's he's quiet, taciturn. Doesn't he seems unflappable. He's maybe not quite as uh, as a as a dresser as uh, as 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 Charlie Watts, but that may have more to do with budgetary limitations. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie Watts. I actually after reading Keith Richards' book, I because he just he mentions you know what a great dresser Charlie Watts is, and I was like, so I started like googling, and I was like, oh yeah, he never because on stage he would wear like a sleeveless T-shirt like. Mm sometimes and and then you're like oh there's not a single picture of him off stage where he doesn't look fucking amazing <laughs> yeah, and true. and it's just like i went but so i started going on the wormhole and like reading articles that weren't even about him as a musician just him yeah. being how well dressed and he's like he's like yeah i have I don't know how many suits. I know I have 600 in the house in Devon. And that's, so that's like the backup stash of suits that he has. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing. And, uh, but that's the power move, I think. And only drummers can do it. I had a band that played with Blondie and Clem Burke before the show was dressed like a badass. Mm-hmm. And then I come off stage, and he's standing there in like an Adidas track jacket and a T-shirt, and I'm like, Clem, what are you, what are you doing? You, you guys are going on. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, this is what I plan. And yeah. then I was like, He's like, that other stuff, that's just for off stage. And then after the show, he has yet another suit, different suit on than he had before the show. And I was like, That is, that's the fucking way to do it. Yeah, it's it's because it's like you got to dress for a workout basically for for the drums, you know. Yeah. But then there's guys that took it to an extreme. Like there were certain guys that seemed to never play with shirts, like the Foo Fighters guy and the the Hootie Hootie and the Blowfish guy, right? They're always just sort of sh- completely bare chested back there. I think it, you know, if you can, uh, if you have the physique, I'd probably Which do I probably I I do, but no. I I, you, you should do a Buffalo, when this is all over, do uh, do a Buffalo hey, solo the, or Buffalo Tom shirtless tour. Yeah, putting the, putting the buff in Buffalo is Bill Janowitz. <laughs> there was something, uh, there's a total digression, but um, when my band, Val, when you were kind enough to have uh, my band Valley Lodge open for you guys. Oh, that music, was a great time, yeah. Music that was yeah. a fun night. Um, I remember I was so sick. And I was so, I was like, this is the first cool show we've ever done. <laughs> like, where I was like, we're opening for like a legitimately great band that people know. Aww, a cool man. venue. And I was so excited and I was sick and like all day. But I think I hopefully pulled it off. But uh, but I remember, I think it was your drummer that was, uh, Tom that was saying this, uh, that his daughter does the visuals for you guys. Yeah. And uh, they were so beautiful, like these sort of motion graphics or video or whatever. And I thought that, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Because, like, you know, I still think, like, oh, we're all in our 20s just rocking. But it's like, oh, no. Like, he has a daughter who is old enough to sit down. Yeah, she's in her 20s. And uh, so he's got two daughters in in their 20s. Mine... uh, also now 21 but she was maybe i guess 19 or so when she she actually sings on the record that that we that that was that record um uh, quiet in peace so i said mm-hmm. you know with all our daughters be, being involved maybe we should call the album daddy daughter dance <laughs> <laughs> but we noticed like that, that pretty quickly yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little it's creepy you know, potentially creepy yeah so yeah. i can't believe that record that's three or four years ago already. Three years, yeah, seventeen. It was actually three years ago this month, I think. I think it came out in March. Do you find oh, April? April. I can't even know what month it is anymore. I know it's it's bizarre. Like, and do you find this as you get older? Like, I remember like getting into 
like to me, I'm like, oh, that record just came out. Quiet and Peace just came out like a couple mm-hmm. months ago in in my brain. But and then you think back to like I remember being, I was 12 when I went fully down the Zeppelin wormhole where I was mm-hmm. just like greatest band I'm in, and I remember thinking like, but this is like an old band from like the past that is right. just like a dinosaur relic of a thing that I found. <laughs> And yeah. they they had been broken up, like for just a few years. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I remember bands like Led Zeppelin specifically and the Stones specifically um, catching up with them. Like so, so like uh, yeah. And you think of like, well, we can talk about concepts of time, especially with music. And let's put that aside because that's a whole other probably podcast or whatever. But. Um, I do remember, like, ha- all the records I bought from Led Zeppelin were were, the, were those previous releases, right? And you, whenever you could save up enough money or get Christmas gifts enough, you'd get you'd get up their their whole catalog. And they weren't a, they didn't have a huge catalog, so it was it was attainable. Uh, but then I remember like being ready for when Some Girls came out. Uh, I was twelve when that came out, and I remember being ready when In Through the Outdoor came out in what 79 so i was 13 or Mm -hmm. 14 years old when that came out um and just not being old enough to maybe go to the concerts yet uh Mm -hmm. old enough to to buy the records at the record store when they came out and how excited i was uh, yeah when those records came out let me ask you this uh as as a zeppelin head what is your if you could only have one zeppelin record which would it be or let's say, well, let me just say what your favorite, because if you if you could have just one, then you might go with quantity over quality or like, yeah. maybe it's the same for you. Like physical graffiti might be your favorite, but it also has the most songs that you can kind of if you only had one. But what's your favorite Zeppelin record? Oh, that's so, so hard because maybe Houses of the Holy, I guess. Yeah, House of the Holy is great. I think that's I, the one that was the one where I was like. And I was 12 at the time, mind you. But that was the one where I was like, oh, okay. Like, this isn't just the band that I heard on the radio. Like, we're getting into... Vikings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was just like... And I was, you know, not that I found it titillating, even at that age. But I was just like, there's naked little girls on the record. That seems fucking insane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it just even at 12 i was like that's really cool but really wrong <laughs> there was an and that was the era where there was a lot of that going on there was that blind faith album cover it was like yeah yeah what's going on maybe these maybe these rock guys are trying to tell us some, some, maybe there's calls for help you know <laughs> yeah oh man yeah it was probably like an organized smoke screen for like gary glitter or something like gary we'll do the fucking weird covers you really do the damage (laughs) what a horrible thing to say i actually you know uh speculation on my part but um Um, yeah how's it always great i mean for me i don't I, i and i say this like i'm not saying that the all the other records are not as good as but I don't think they ever, like to me, for, I, I, I could live with Zeppelin one, and I think that's, I, they could have done that one record, and that could have been, they would be legends in my eyes. I, I thought oh, all the yeah. subsequent records are, are great, and uh, I love almost everything, I think, but that record is like a perfect record to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that was the thing. I mean, I, it's, a, it's such a hard question to answer. Uh, yeah. yeah, the first one's so great. I mean, like, good times, bad times. I mean, that like the two guitar solos on that. Song, I mean, it's it's so catchy and rocking. You're just like, don't. It's like oh, communication breakdown. It's like punk rock. You know, it's yeah. It's like hardcore almost. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing and just like not to get too not to alienate a portion of the listeners with gear talk but i mean the fucking telly into the little amp and sound super oh yeah oh and yeah the engineer because i think that was done on on maybe eight tracks at at maximum i think because it was 68 when they recorded probably 69 
uh, when it came out. Maybe it's, maybe it was recorded the same year. What Eddie Kramer was the engineer on that one, and he had done all the Hendrix stuff. I mean, they they were making and that's that organ sound uh, before. Uh, oh oh, your time uh, is gonna come. Your time is gonna come, and mm-hmm. oh my god, the, uh, everything just was like such a huge sound. But then you realize you don't need tracks; you just need space and players and great mics to make something. In fact. Some of the greatest sounds were, you know, all those whatever, 60s and 50s recordings of of Nelson Riddle stuff, Sinatra, or you know, all the Wrecking Crew stuff sounds awesome. And it's just, it's maybe done on four tracks maximum, you know, if, if that. Yeah. And the Beatles, just, the Beatles, of course. I mean, the Beatles were the ones that sort of brought us here. Yeah. It's just, oh, now I'm, my, my brain is going... <laughs> I'm like going like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so which Be- which Beatles record would be in that in that crowd pleasing sort of? But I we can all agree on. Kind of For thing. me, I would say, and I, and I admit to being not like uh, I can't jump through hoops with their catalog at all. But uh, I would, for me, Revolver. I would say. Yeah, I think that's. I think everybody can agree on that one. Um. And then, but this is where it gets tricky because I feel like we've mentioned like you got to have these three, but then you start to go like, once you say like, oh, what Kinks record, then it's like, all right, well, we're now we're got to get into like 20 albums because we're like mm. just going down a rock path. But then yeah. if Kinks, you know, are, are, are the greatest band in the world in a different way. Um, and then you go like, then I'm like, well, if you're gonna go Zeppelin, then you gotta go Black Sabbath. If you're gonna go harder, and then you mm. know, because Black Sabbath, like, for a long, you know, I think probably most most people like you just kind of think like, oh, Paranoid, but then if you really listen to those first six records, you're like, oh, they kind of went all over the place too, mm-hmm. and, and they're not just like you know not just iron man so then you're like well i gotta pick but then but then once you once you go kink sabbath then you're like okay that now i'm this is gonna wind up at 100 albums and then exactly (laughs) yeah you gotta have punk rock represented you gotta have some i don't know you gotta have a jazz record i would think yeah you gotta yeah you have to you have to yeah you gotta have kind of blue or something in there <laughs> yeah so it's all that way of saying it can't be done <laughs> <laughs> right yeah 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 so you're gonna have a big record collection at your apartment yeah i mean or or at least yeah because it's just all it takes is like you know you can really hold yourself to it but then all it takes is one beer and then you're like oh i gotta get van halen two on vinyl you know <laughs> I, I, I know i know and and then i don't know if you're doing the same thing on discogs where it's 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 a semi-efficient system, but it's not efficient enough. It's like there should be a way to go. Okay, you've got this. Okay, you dealer, you've got this record, and dealer B, you have this record. But I, I I want I want to get to the dealer that has the most of the records on my want list without having to. But I, I, I there's something about it that's that has a built-in speed bump to me. Like I just get so frustrated and and get a headache from it that I, that I don't buy anything for a while from it. Cause it's like, cause you want to buy them from the same dealer to sh- save on shipping is kind of how I'm, yeah, how I'm yeah. looking at it. But I end up just going, okay, I'm going to buy five records and pay for five different shipping things. And you know, this one's from J- Japan. So it's going to cost me $20 to get it over here. Yeah. But like the amount of time you save, like just doing it that way is just like, you know, that's a luxury worth paying for. Like yeah. if because if, if you took an hour longer to do it, yeah, that's like valuable. You could you could be doing something better with your time than like that's, trying to save on shipping. That's what I ultimately yeah exactly. And a man of my means, do I really have to save on? <laughs> yeah, save? I mean, you know. just to be be Bill Janovitz. <laughs> D- don't. I, mean, but I always start. I always start off with like I want to support local record stores, but right now they're all closed. And yeah. usually, usually they had they don't have a very good, uh, robust web presence. So, but yeah. what did you do with all the records from your youth? Do you still have those at the apartment, or no? They've kind of they kind of vanished. I think my brother has has them, mm-hmm. and because you know I spent I was a rambling man uh, for yeah. a long time, <laughs> like and he. 
you know, I got said, married. Baby, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and he, you know, he got married shortly after college and bought a house and did those things where you could be like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take all the records back with me." I mean, like even going not to get, uh, not morbid. What's the word? But, but you know, when my, when my mom died and and my dad decided to move out of the family house, my siblings grabbed all sorts of things that my dad didn't want, and just knowing. Me, I was just like, I just took my mom's ice, ice skates. That's the only Aww. thing I took. Because I was like, that'll mean something. And they're hanging over my fireplace in my apartment. Oh, that's that, awesome. Yeah. That's literally the only thing I have from from my youth, really. Um, but but I can go to my go to my sibling's house and be like, oh, that's the old rocking chair. That's this and that. You know, so yeah, I do exactly. I do have access to the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I've kept you longer. I you, you I've kept you. Uh, I'm stealing your day away, so I should. Well, probably that's a great. Go. It's a. It's been a great chat. Yeah, but I, I'm just gonna go eat lunch now. Yeah, go <laughs> eat lunch. I'm sorry I kept you. I, I usually. No, I, I'm glad I, to. But I was having so much fun. I feel like we could. Uh, the record, the the ten record conversation. We could probably start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Podcast. So yeah. maybe a. Uh, Maybe I'll pester you down the line and, and ask you to come back and we can talk. Yeah, about have me have me be a regular guest. I'd be glad to. What what else am I doing really? You know, I, I, I just love. A, it's it's been a blast. I, uh, I don't know if people will find it as entertaining listening to us just have a phone conversation <laughs> as we are, but <laughs> that's your. I business, hope so. Mine. There's you know <laughs> the the ratings would indicate there's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or what else down, is everybody else doing? The downloads or whatever. Excellent. So. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. All right. Thanks so much, Bill. Right. Yeah. I'll talk to you. All right. You okay. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, my delightful conversation with Bill Janowitz from Buffalo Tom and a solo musician as well, an author. And so go out and get all his stuff, his music, uh, his books, his writing uh, just if, if it's got his name on it, get it. Damn it. Um, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna blackmail him so he comes back on the show. Speaking of blackmail, uh, may I remind you once again to go get my album, The Pride of Cleveland, out, on, out now on 800 Pound Record, Gorilla Records. Uh, you can it, you can you don't even have to pay for it. You can hear it on Pandora, where I'm told I'm supposed to tell you to give it the thumbs up so it shoots to the top. And uh, also, uh, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, every, basically everywhere. Every streaming service, you can buy it if you want as well to download. It doesn't exist in the physical realm because we're living in a uh, stoking future. But um, you can get it every, every other way. Uh, and, and hopefully it will, uh, will bring you some joy during these difficult times. Um... And also the Witch Chain album would be pretty good at that. Those are my plugs. I'll get that. Um, enough, Dave. Uh, support us on... Speaking of, Oh, there's one more plug. Support us on Patreon if you can. Patreon.com forward slash Dave Hill uh, to help keep gas in the tank. And gosh, do we need it now more than ever. Um, also, uh, before I go, I want to say some thank yous. Thank you, first of all, to all of you for listening. Thanks again to Bill Janowitz. Thanks to my partner in crime, the brains behind the operation, baby face, uh, big man, little man's face when he shaves, uh, something I learned the hard way recently, Mr. Chris Gersbeck, uh, who without him, uh, I would be rambling into an abyss. He, with this, it wouldn't be possible without him. I am uh, a mess. He's got his shit together. Um, I also want to thank, of course, uh, Maximum Fun who uh, are kind enough to have us be a part of their, their podcasting empire, please go to MaximumFun.org and support them over there if you can. And uh, also, they've got all sorts of incredible content, podcasts, and assorted whatnot just waiting for you. So uh, head on over there. Is there anything else I, I forgot to tell you? I may have forgotten. Let me think. Ah, that sounds about it. Anyway, uh, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Why would you do that? Uh, wear a mask. Don't uh, go acting like stuff is normal because it's not. 
But you can be at home and you can totally just get up to the same weird shit that you always do. That's what I do. I mean, really, uh, it doesn't seem that different to me in my day-to-day life. Aside from the fact that I'm not in New York and I'm living in a bunker in, uh, in a remote area of Ohio. So I guess things are totally different now that I hear myself say it out loud. Anyway, uh, thank you. Hang in there, everybody. We're going to be all right. I know it. There is no other choice. Okay. Until next time, I've been Dave Hill, and it wouldn't kill me to shower. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.